Hello, and welcome to Hacks. I'm Simon. There's Rosemary. Hey. There's Morale. Hello. There's Rob. Weed is legal! <laughs> you blew my lead, man. God damn it. Yeah, by the time you hear this, um, if you are a resident of Canada, which is probably most of you, weed is even more legal than it was a couple of days ago. Of course, the, the buried or not so buried joke here is that weed's been legal for a long time uh, for certain types of people certain types of circumstances uh it, it's the process has just now been formalized and theoretically universalized so we are it's the 420 nation uh it's the i can't wait for like for like weed culture to just like take over all aspects of life and just make me want to pile drive my head into a moving car tire just ugh. rosemary's over here with her giant novelty blunts I'm wearing a hat that just says weed. I'm just munching on some edibles. Is that it? Yeah. 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 No, it's, uh, I mean, I, am I the only one that finds this the most banal piece of legislation to pass? Like, it's great. Like, the impacts are fantastic. Great. I think it's, it's a good idea. But, like, personally, I'm just like, eh. Maybe I'm old. Um, what, what would, what would make it, what would make it sexier for you, Morale? Just, well, I guess maybe I don't think it's sexy because I don't trust that the federal government will actually um, do anything they promised to do when they were elected. So, yeah, this, <laughs> I think, by my count, this is the only campaign promise that the federal government has actually fulfilled. Uh, climate action yeah. we're doing. Yeah. So and two. weed and, and climate action ish stuff. And in my right. opinion, how, how's their climate action? Is it I like can't anything? On that. Oh, oh right, of course. Yes. <laughs> From my perception, weed is actually less legal now because they shut down all the dispensaries. All the gray market. All the gray market. And I we, Morel and I, live in BC where now, by the time you're listening to this episode, there's one place where you can buy weed. It's in Kamloops. In the of entire course. province. Yeah. And uh, is it South Shore or North Shore? South Probably Shore, North Shore. Columbia Mall. If you live in Kamloops, check yeah, it out. Shout out could, to could you explain Kamloops. to Americans the size of British Columbia? So British Columbia is is like the size of, you know, Washington, Oregon and Nevada put together, probably Uh. (laughs) or larger. It's it's a big place and it's separated, you know, between like a tiny strip of uh, urbanized area and then a vast wilderness where only, you know, moose and human traffickers live. So British Columbia is uh, 2.2 times as big as California. So uh, in kilometers square, it's 944,740 kilometers square. In California, um, these are kind of the status boundaries, by the way. Uh, I should note, I want to intervene and say that um, there's a lot of unceded um, indigenous territory here. Um, So I don't actually subscribe to this belief. But, um, you know, for for status purposes, California is 423,970 kilometers square. So yeah, so well over 2.2 times as big as California. Yeah, it's a bit misleading because Cascadia is the only government that I recognize. The the correct plural of moose is meese. So I am going to give you a demerit for that. (laughs) Shit. You're too high. (laughs) I'm too high. Too high. So did they they actually shut the um, dispensaries down? Well, that's interesting. I don't I don't frequent dispensaries, though we do live next to one. Um, and uh, I, we were walking this morning, um, just in, taking in the city. And uh, there was one place 
um, that has been around since I think 2014 at mm -hmm. least, maybe even earlier than that, um, that just was boarded up and had this very confusing uh, note to customers was shut down and it said, for reasons beyond our control, whatever that means, uh, will be shut down. Please use Canada Post to deliver. <laughs> it actually said, we is closing due to scenarios outside of our control, yeah, which is very on brand for a weed dispensary. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, the dispensaries have not shut down in Ontario. The ones in my immediate, immediate neighborhood uh, seem to be doing um, booming business as usual. So, Well, anyway... I hope our listeners at home are cranking that one uh, Nas and Damien Marley album and, uh, I don't know, doing pot things. I don't know what the hell it is you people do, but I hope you're I enjoying know. it in relative I've... safety and security. I could also say that I've enjoyed going to um, these uh, pot pop-ups where I got swag where they didn't actually mention marijuana. They're just trying to promote the brands. And the, in the last, in, through the, throughout the summer, in the last weeks, also you got free beer and stuff and, and uh, free kombucha. Nice. <laughs> so I, I, I've, I've enjoyed that, yeah. I need someone to explain kombucha to me. It's fermented. This is your girl right here. Yeah, kombucha is delicious. It's like, uh, it's, so it's fermented, like you take tea, I guess, and then you just let it go bad in a certain way. And then uh, the fermentation process, um, like essentially kind of creates some form of carbonation. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. And it's got some, I think, health properties. Um, like, See, I, I've heard that it basically gets you drunk and that's why people no, like no, it. No, 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 no. No, there's so little, um, like, I, I don't know what kind of, you, I mean, you could make kombucha that's like, I think people are starting to cut it with vodka. Like, I know that I've heard of people going like, oh, yeah, like a kombucha vodka soda or something. But um, it's actually really good because it has uh, it has like a form of probiotic, essentially. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really good. It's, you can make it yourself. Yeah, um, you take you take tea and a special delicious kind of mucus and you combine them and then put them in a closet for like three months. It's like, well, it's just it is yeast. Very good. It's, it's just yeast and like sugar and fermented tea. So you essentially need yeast and then like um, mm -hmm. some liquid. And then the, the yeast has to eat sugar to grow. And then the yeast grows. And then you get this like really creepy looking, like almost like a jellyfish without any tentacles. And uh, that's how it kind of looks. Called the scoby. Or the mother. Which which actually ties in. It's a nice segue into like our our, our topic of, of of drugs and and um, you know various types of, of hallucinogens because I think um, what is it uh, ayahuasca is also often referred to as mother or the mother. You have to let mother find you. So this is like for vegans, I guess. Or no, wait, do vegans drink kombucha? Because is ferment well is the is yeast an animal? Is yeast alive? I think some vegans I know do not drink it. Damn. Um, but yeah, yeah, but so I mean, carrots are alive. Well, I mean, this is an interesting question. What does it mean to be a human? Don't you start. <laughs> no, we have to. No, I'm she sorry. I'm cutting again. you off. I'm cutting you off. There's <laughs> humans. There's free kombucha in the streets of Toronto due to pot, le pot legislation. So. That's right, because yep. pot is not a recreational drug. It's a wellness product. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think this is, yeah, a good entry point into our discussion, actually, because there is kind of this, uh, what do we make of the fact that a lot of, like, different, um, I'm not going to call them drugs, because I think that's not fair to the drugs. You just, you You're just killing me. You're actually killing me today. Like, a lot of, the, like, a lot of substances are 
like might have a lot of health benefits and might be very good for you. And yet they kind of get blended in with other wellness things. So like for instance, pot, a wellness drug, right? Cause CBD has a lot of health properties. Um, but then it also gets allowed in here if you actually smoke a blunt. Um, is that the right <laughs> slang? <laughs> no, but no, none of us on this podcast know any of the proper lingo related to pot usage. I, I asked some oh my students Lord. of mine to tell me. Um, <laughs> but then, like, but I guess, like, one of the things that really uh, irks me, like, because the other part of it, especially with tech, has to do with microdosing, right? Which I think is kind of our general topic. Um, and uh, what's ridiculous to me is that it's a lot like um, kind of the health and nutrition world, where there might be some evidence uh, based research that indicates, for instance, that kombucha is good for you, um, as an example, or like, let's use, uh, LSD. Um, you know, there's, there's some obvious, uh, benefits for, you know, any kind of like wellness and mental health, um, concerns, but it gets co-opted in this like framework of like, it's very good for you all the time. So you should do it. In other words, it's, it's a technology. It's a technology. That's right. Um, and so, like, how do you how do you individually distinguish between like how you understand something as a drug or like essentially as like a glorified vitamin or supplement? It's very good for you all the time, and uh, with a drug, very good for you. with a drug, you can only do it some of the time because it's otherwise so, too, okay. too disruptive. Oh, yeah, that's I why you call it there. taking a trip, right? I feel like Rosemary might know a lot about this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rosemary, guide us. I've ta- I've taken yes. a trip, yeah. yeah. Down to New <laughs> York. Yeah, yeah, out species. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are layers to that comment that I don't understand because I'm a nerd. You know, but I guess that's the other question. The the inverse or the I guess the other extreme of the spectrum of like do drugs all the time. It's great. You know, everyone should be doing it. Everyone should be like consciousness hacking, biohacking is like the super extreme straight edgers who like kind of are the new hipsters, I think. Right. Because everyone's doing drugs. It's not cool anymore. So we might as well and that's when you way. get into uh, that's when you get into your raw water people. Can you tell us what raw water is, Simon? So as I understand it, and you can feel free to correct me on this. Um, raw water is essentially um, just water that's been like bottled or like collected from rivers and springs and just sold to you with no additional processing. Um, so if there are any um, ancient parasites you'd like to pick up, I think this might be a good route for you. And what, what's the ideological component of the raw water movement? I think it's just people. It's, it's typical like, you know, oh, the, the nature produces uh, the the right sort of quote unquote toxins or lack thereof, whereas like society and florid. It's basically if you've seen Doctor Strangelove, it's basically just like the Peter Sellers ranting about floridization and like natural essences. <laughs> it's it's the same level of sophistication you were talking about, except now they're selling it back to you at like eight dollars a bottle or something, Merle. More than that. Um, so just to jump in. So um, uh, th- this kind of, I think, picked up and it was something that we talked about um, as a collective um, back around, I think, the end of last year and maybe the beginning in January and December, um, because there was a t- first there was a piece in The New York Times, I think, is what kind of um, tipped our 
tip test to it. And then there was something actually in Business Insider um, that was on raw water, which is defined in a Business Insider article from 2018, January 4th, um, as unfiltered, untreated, and unsterilized spring water, which is just there essentially not potable, right? Um, and yeah, it was... It uh, is now, baby. <laughs> I just love my not potable water, which like, if you want to talk about like a, a perfect embodiment of like, how shitty Westerners and like North Americans are like you are so fucking privileged that you're saying no to the the privileges that only your society yeah. has next to air it's the most basic need for human biological life and like so many people in the world do not have potable water fuck and, like, potable water fuck potable yeah so pedestrian why don't you have a shirt that says like you know what disrupt water um and so you know, and Rosemary, so, get on it. But these these two pieces, um, the first in the New York Times in December of 2017 and the second one that I'm quoting from, um, we're saying that this place, so in the Mission District in, in San Francisco, presumably, um, you could get a 2.5-gallon glass orb of untreated, this is the brand Live Water, sold for $36.99 U.S. Um, back then, and it, and it had gone up at the time of writing this article to $38.49. Um, Can we talk about buying things in glass orbs? When it's <laughs> only the best things mean, come in a glass orb. Tide pods too come so, in orb-like thing. Yeah, true. Look, Rob, <laughs> orbs are efficient shapes. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> All of my uh, uh, noble gases come in orb form. <laughs> so it distributes the molecules in the best way. Yeah. The older I get, the closer I come to becoming a perfect spherical shape. So I'm, I'm just waiting to take my final form. It's going to be great. At least you're, you're turning into a sphere. I'm more of like an ovoid, which is very unpleasant to look at. Um, this raw water thing is real, which is ridiculous, because as, as uh, at least one of these articles pointed out, um, you know, the irony that people who are probably making money hand over fist to be able to spend <laughs> like 40 bucks uh, on 2.5 gallons of fucking, yeah, untreated sewer water, essentially, <laughs> um, you know, while people in their own country, which, you know, used to be kind of seen as the most advanced country in the world, which I think some of us might disagree with, um, you know, like Flint. Yeah, I was going to say Flint. Hey. Mississippi hey, yeah. can't even access clean water. Yeah. But hey, Silicon Valley is so cool. With Elon's on it. Elon, you know, with your fucking yeah. Teslas and you're like, let's just extend life to 700 years with raw water. Years ago, I was working as a dishwasher in this horrible place in Montreal in the, in the basement. And um, I, I, there was a couple of days of work where this this the drainage systems got backed up. Shocking. So we had we had to we we had to walk on half milk crates to get around to not be like ankle deep <laughs> to not be ankle deep in basically something like sewage yeah. and um, little did I know I should have been bottling it <laughs> I had a I had a great source but yeah it's, I'm glad you mentioned living to 700 uh, Rob because that's sort of like a, another thing at, at the heart of this is this idea that. These tech titans um, are trying to figure out how to um, how to live forever, like literally live forever. I mean, this and this has been going back a long time. Um, if you go back to people like the Cryonic Society, which mm -hmm. is a, an insane, incredible, wild story that everyone needs to read about. There was a great NPR episode about it years ago. I think it was called Mistakes Were Made. It's TLDR really good. it real quick. The Cryonic Society were people who um, were trying to figure out how to cryogenically freeze uh, people's heads um, so that they could, <laughs> yes, in the bad. future, 
in the future just revive them. The problem was, I, I, I believe the worst of this happened in, with the California Cryonic Society. And uh, basically the funding wasn't always consistent and the equipment wasn't always consistent. So ended up with like corpses and heads just like melting in garages and lawsuits and all sorts of other unpleasantries. Um, what, I think Errol Morris was going was gonna to make a movie about it at one point, but it fell apart. And Timothy, didn't, didn't Timothy Leary, wasn't he part of that? Didn't he get cryogenically frozen? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look that up. And there was always the rumor about Walt Disney as well. Um, yeah, anyway, but this this is that kind of like an extension of the same thing. People are trying to figure out how to, uh, how to live forever. And that extends, of course, to... Uh, our, our our personal friend of the show, Peter Thiel, and his efforts to uh, <laughs> to suck the blood, literally drain the blood out of uh, out of out of young studs and inject them into himself. Uh, which I don't think there's any. There's still absolutely no scientific basis to the idea that that's anything for you, right? That's why I had a child. I think of my child like a glass orb of raw water <laughs> that I can drink from anytime I need. Just to get a boost. I mean, forget raw water. Have a toddler around, and you'll boost your immune system pretty True. quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, or just decrease it. But um, but I think yeah, this whole kind of like a, a I mean, it, it taps into something. I think uh, with regards to <laughs> taps into something. <laughs> well, t- the the whole obsession with raw water, uh, hallucinogens. Um, you know, kind of this this intersection between drugs and wellness, and like, you know, what are those um, blue blocker glasses, light therapy, uh, various forms of kind of um, diluted meditation um, that is very very popular among kind of um, tech bros and billionaires, and it has to do with this obsession of like trying to optimize and make humans as good as possible. Like it's in a sense, it's kind of this really perverse interpretation of what it means to be human because it's like, okay, well I'll just microdose to get more information flow or to get, you know, a little bit more productivity. And that's fucking sick really. Cause I mean, you're only doing it in the service of, of capitalism. Um, of course. Right. I mean, and yet it becomes this kind of very common narrative that you hear a bunch of really young people entering the industry talk about. Um, they're trying to like win spirituality right like that's what's behind meditation so that you can be more productive like it it just it sort of defeats the purpose if you put a an end goal on it well and i i think the other source of this is the it's the bone deep distrust of anything that comes from the public sector or from from community you know you can see that with uh with everyone at tesla's hatred of um public transit and um and I, and I think the the raw water thing is like a classic rejection of you know the you know the public water system which is just like a glory of of like modern life <laughs> that we <laughs> that we all enjoy they're just like nah i'm not we're not into that like we're like you suckers think you've got it so great but the earth has everything we need we just need to hack it we're so much smarter than you and better than you and we're going to live forever and to me the apotheosis of this is of course steve jobs Trying to yeah. fix cancer with fucking yogurt or whatever. <laughs> you <laughs> know what? Give me some sucker. roundworm. Yeah. And we don't know, by the way, this podcast is not saying that that doesn't work. It's just that we have a very small sample size of one right now. So it may or may not hey, look, be valid. If, if, uh, if Peter Thiel or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or any of these guys ever gets cancer... I don't want them to hear this and think that yogurt won't work. Please do an all yogurt treatment and see how it goes for you. You maybe you'll do better. I would love to find out. <laughs> One thing that 
kind of um, really doesn't resonate with me with this whole kind of obsession with wellness um, and to some extent the kind of microdosing stuff has to do with this assumption that like increasing productivity or like creativity is a something hackable um, but also b that like you need to do that like what are you idolizing what are you fetishizing if if you think you have to be a certain way um, it's just so boring to me right like give me someone who forgets things i would rather work with people who like make human errors and are are like interesting to interact with than someone who's like i worked 21 hours straight because i was you know taking these capsules that allowed me to increase my productivity well yes the the why is always missing no because it's complete adaptation to the system um and soylent is another um um example of that so you don't you don't have to eat to just take this disgusting well i haven't tried it but why would you want to? Because meal times are a nice moment in the day, um, but I guess it, it uh, detracts from your uh, productivity. So um, just uh, drink sludge instead, and drink and, and water, raw water. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole the whole concept of of soylent, as I understand it, is basically, boy, isn't it a pain when you have to like choose what to eat or yeah. even <gasps> cook things? It's like, what if we took all those pesky choices? Out of that thing that's that you have to do every day, here's some sludge. And there was wasn't there even a thing that happened six or seven months ago where there was a whole supply of the stuff that was uh, botulized. Botulized. <laughs> botch, yeah, everyone was getting yeah botulized funny, batch. Funny anecdote. I know exactly when that happened because um, so about two years ago, two and some change. Uh, yeah, they all of their supply got botulized, and I know this because. Uh, a, a good friend of mine and an old roommate, we used to joke about how we should just take Soylent um, because we, we were just not capable of being adults and take, caring, t- take care of ourselves, sent me a box of Soylent bars because they got bars um, and then had to call me and tell me not to eat them. <laughs> As if you needed instruction not to eat them. She was like, do it. And I was, I was pregnant. So she was like, do not eat these. It will kill your child. <laughs> So actually, oh my I've, god, child name censored could have could have been one of the generation of soylent babies. <laughs> <laughs> she could have been our. It can meal only ticket. it can only make the it can only make the soy face. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's actually it's interesting that you brought up choices, Simon, because I am going to defend soylent and the culture of like minimizing choices in our lives. So I've I've mentioned before on this podcast that I choose to live a life where I don't um uh, there's only one item in my wardrobe that's just copied just like a good black t-shirt uh from Walmart the George label I can't believe you shop at Walmart well for these t-shirts they're so good and nicely form-fitting and like I do it because I hate having to decide what to wear in the morning like I would rather just not have that choice and not have that uh layered into my day so I can think about other shit that's the Steve and, Steve Jobs calculation. Right, it's, that's, it that's is fine. unfortunately the Steve Jobs thing. Yes, that's but, perfectly fine, Rob. But make sure if you ever get cancer, please choose chemo <laughs> <laughs> or yogurt. But what I'm trying to say is like I I don't think it's a controversial statement that like modern life is overwhelming and like there is a lot of shit to think about. And so I I sympathize with people who would make that sure. decision to like you know just wear the same thing every day or you know drink sludge i recognize that wearing the same thing every day is the sludge of fashion and i'm fine with that (laughs) i I recognize there's absolutely something in like capitalism produces this overabundance of choice that is like totally 
uh, surplus to requirement or even enjoyment. Um, yeah. And I, I do, I do like the idea of, of uh, some limitation on that. Um, I don't, what I don't like is the culture of like, like if, if, if Soylent was more honest in its advertising is like, if, if you eat this every day, you'll keep living. <laughs> like, 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 don't, don't make it seem like, like some sort of super potion. Just be like, this is adequate to your needs. <laughs> you know, yeah. if they did that, which I think would be more honest and like a, a better representation of what they do and what the appeal is, I probably wouldn't care. I might yeah. even celebrate it. When you add the element of like promising that this thing, this wellness thing is going to bring you greater achievement. Um, I think that's when it gets yeah. problematic because well, then you just end up chasing the achievement. Yeah. When it becomes like, look at these suckers wasting their time, enjoying each other's company at places where, where delicious things are served. <laughs> like, wow, they're not optimizing their lives, but guess what? You are. Cause you're smart. You drink soylent every day. But, and, and Enjoy what? botulism. <laughs> I could have a PhD right now. So what are some, what are some other trends in, in, uh, in biohacking, microdosing, this, this whole like Venn diagram of awfulness that we see happening? Okay, so when microdosing, using drugs to appear human is not enough for you, <laughs> why don't you inject some true science MRI? So what? Give it to me. Okay, so this is something that I'm very interested in called consciousness hacking, or even better, enlightenment engineering. Oh, that hell terrible. Yes. Hell yeah. That's Give it to me. Uh, which all of this was coined by, uh, he claims he's a scientist. His name is uh, Mikey Siegel. Um, <laughs> Mikey? Who, well, he That's a great Theranos, name for a so scientist. <laughs> Yo, yeah, Mikey. Mikey. Yo, Mikey. <laughs> okay, so this, this is based on the same kind of pseudoscience as microdosing. So... Uh, you guys know about the flow state. So when you're like working on something or you're like playing sports, obviously no one on this podcast or who's listening to this podcast plays sports, but you know, you get the idea of someone like being in the zone, right? I've you're, never you're doing been something in the, you're zone. in the zone. And this, you've <laughs> <laughs> not once in my life. I've run two marathons. I've never once been in the zone, but whatever. I've been in the Pazone. I've been deep in the Pazone. <laughs> um, okay, but people who are in the zone, they have. You put them inside a brain machine of some kind. You scan their brain and they have like certain patterns of like their their consciousness or like their brain is working in a certain way, right? So um, Likey Mikey <laughs> recognized this and he started this consciousness hacking movement, which is a way to use machines to force your brain into the zone state. So his first try and basically his products are still this is Run what he calls... Is what he called um, transcranial direct current stimulation, TCDCS, which was attaching nine volt batteries to electrodes on your forehead <laughs> to mildly shock your brain to increase focus and improve memory. Yeah, no shit, because you're like going into like PT, like it's that's yeah, you're up. essentially like one of those rats that they just like shock until the rat like navigates the main. So isn't this also called trepanation? Why don't we just do that instead? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's when you drill directly into the skull and then apply the, the electrodes. Yeah, but, um, increases the blood yeah, flow. So, so now, so consciousness <laughs> hacking has like become more mainstream since then and it's not a 9-volt a battery. It's like this cool-looking uh, Star Trek-esque plastic 
dildo mm-hmm. looking thing that you sort of wrap around your head and it's connected to an app and so now what consciousness hackers do is they all uh use meditation apps in sync in a room and then have these um the, all this headgear headgear connected by wires to each other so they so your brain waves are synchronized I and that's love... the idea consciousness hacking. Wow. so again like it's sort of an intersection of like we want to pursue wellness but we need to do it in order to be better at our jobs and we're going to use Make like more money technological doodads yeah and yeah. spend lots of money doing it okay so i'm going to propose a new app and it's going to combine these interests uh with our a uh, cu- couple episodes ago when we were talking about dating apps so i'm going to start a new dating app that uh, revives phrenology Oh, no. And it's going to, you You basically, you raise your phone up at your love interest, and then it determines based on the shape of their skull what sort of person they are. And uh, I, th- I think- And uh, whether there's oh, a match. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think I just secured uh, 1.5 million in BC funding, so <laughs> see ya. I, I think, um, well, just to riff off of that, um, I think obviously- no, if you want to talk about dystopic movies that are true demolition men where they have the VR sex, it's actually going to just be Simon's app where it's like, do you want to like, do you want a consciousness hack with me? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the answer is yes, obviously. I'm actually, I'm so glad, uh, Merle, that you brought up VR because likey Mikey, he's moved away from apps because apps are shit. Who cares about them anymore? And into the VR space. So the new consciousness hacking thing is buying an HTC Vive and then plastering that on your face and using the images that it shows you to unlock your true consciousness. Because there is such a thing. As your true consciousness? Yeah. Well, no, obviously not. Um, but this <laughs> this new branch of VR uh, is called Technodelics. Digital psychedelics that provide peak experiences aimed at opening someone's mind to commit to deeper contemplative what practices. What does that mean? Which sounds great. Oh, my God. Um, the guy who has created this, um, Robin Arnott. Arnott is an interesting name. Um, he is using um, you know, psychedelic art inspiration and also taking inspiration from game design huge mistake in order to make transcendent experiences more readily available through virtual reality. So that's where we are now in 2018. Uh, Can I make, can I make an, uh, a new app proposal for a way for this guy to directly eat my ass? Cause this I'm, I can't, Oh Lord. These people are searching for something, obviously like sure, do we, right, do we grudge right. them for being, I don't think we can begrudge the impulse. I think we can begrudge the fact that they have way too much money and time. Morale, I think you sort of hinted at this earlier, but like the thing that I really love about all these efforts to like consciousness hack and microdose and like optimize humanity and all this shit, it's reserved for a certain strata of people, right? Like it's, it's not just for everybody. It's not even for everyone in the tech sector. Like if you're a if you're an entry level coder at some at some mill somewhere, you know, it's it's not for you. It's for your overlord so that they can have these moments of revelation, reorient their business and then make your life hell in some other way. And so, and, and go to Burning Man, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess I mean, as someone who's very skeptical of these types of practices for those purported purposes and of billionaires in general and um big kind of figureheads um i mean i guess 
is it just illustrative of uh, the fact that like profit making at a high level is so extremely easy? Like once you kind of get position in class and rank, like you don't really have to innovate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, yeah, can, the money just, makes money. You can just get high or like zap yourself and then just be like, whoa, we should totally create this app about like where you put images in front of your brain while you get high. And then that's going to lead to like better writing. Like what, who are these people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, (laughs) there's a reason that it is the tech moguls, the people who've already made it, who are like championing these things, right? Like if you are like being a a tech CEO and like an actual start, like a real startup, right. That's like seriously trying to be successful. Like that's hard. Those people work all the time. And you don't really have the margin of error to like go off and experiment with different psychedelics, like to help you do your work better because you're just going to fucking crash and burn. Um, and so, you know, if you are, if you're a tech CEO um, and you are doing that, your leadership is essentially performative, right? Like you're just trying to play the mm-hmm. role of a leader and you're not actually like fucking doing your job, right? We saw this with uh, our good friend, Mr. Musk, friend of the show. Um, who, uh, of course, lost his job mm-hmm. recently. Um, and also, I think they're trying to, um, the the FAC is trying to make it so that he can't be the head of, a, of any company, um, which is fucking great, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we and, I, and that kind of makes me think that we're going to see an, a, a swift end to the era of the, uh, of the rock star CEO who, like, does cool drug things. <laughs> because... You know, we, we, we already saw, like, at the time of our last recording where we talked about this, you know, the, 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 the stock price tanking, and now there's been more, like, di- more direct effects. Um, whereas it seems like the model for, like, future CEOs would be more like a Bezos, just like a regular health nut who, I mean, is evil and does evil things, but doesn't ever step out of line from, like, a, a strictly prescribed set of behaviors. Two things. Uh one, what's the difference between a health nut and someone who's doing drugs? I don't see it. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Second thing is, do you do you think that, uh, that like, okay, so for instance, Musk is a good, a good example. Okay, we're going to see kind of this end of this particular kind of modality of leadership, if you want to call it that, where it's like, ooh, I'm just doing drugs. I'm smoking my first blunt on the Joe Rogan experience. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of a direct kind of um, association to the downfall of that person's job. But do you think that'll open up a space for essentially kind of like a techno populism in terms of like, uh, I'm thinking more of people who don't have these uh, positions, but are kind of like cult personalities anyway, that essentially drive a sub industry in tech. Um, it's like Vitalik Buterin's a perfect example of this, right? He's like, doesn't have that much like he's he's regarded as very important and people listen to him and he does a lot of work and research but like the ethereum foundation like is it's not just him right he's not running it so to say yeah i mean business is marketing right like and being a rock star is just a way of like marketing the head person usually the head dude on a project right in order to get more exposure for your um your initiative like um i I hope that this brand of obnoxious tech CEO is sort of nearing its end, but there's always going to be um, people in executive positions who try to go out there and get more attention. Yeah. Best example this yeah. week. Have you guys heard of punk HR? <laughs> yes. 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 I did hear okay. about this. Okay. Let me read you the, the lead from a, a Forbes article. 
Forbes. Um, Hell yes, this how, is so good. <laughs> okay, the, the headline is How Punk Rock Can Revitalize Human Resources. Hell yeah, baby. Strap Let's the do fuck it. in for some ideas. Okay, here's the lead. <laughs> Dressed in multicolored pants, combat boots, and spiked leather braces, SAP, the company SAP's chief human resources officer, Stephen Rise, proudly struts onto the stage of the MGM Park Theater in Las Vegas to the strains of Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Whoa. Uh, noted, <laughs> this guy. Evanescence. Noted, noted punk rock anthem, <laughs> Bring Me to Life. Noted, noted Christian so, fundamentalists. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's describing this idea of uh, an HR punk, human resources punk. And this is how he explains it. He says... Um, an HR punk attitude embodies all of the attributes that make punk rock movement so distinctive, disruptive, and innovative while challenging the status quo. Companies the world Hell over yeah. need to embrace this mindset as the future of work continues to transform for employees. So basically just running your HR department in a disruptive and innovative way and having a good mindset, a punk rock mindset. Okay, so when I hear that, I hear let's bring in more 3-month contractors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because a 3-month contract is like a 30-minute album, right? It's like a perfect one. <laughs> I mean, like in the Fiverr economy, you don't want to force people like no one wants to stay in the same job for more than 3 months. <laughs> but like this so this is fucking garbage and like the um Who this? this is a publicity stunt that he put on the forbes article is essentially like recapitulating their press release um and it, the whole thing is just to sell their new generation of hr software right like hr punk clearly doesn't actually mean anything but the nature of business i'm showing everyone a picture oh of my god fucking doodad <laughs> um he looks like this a- tool <laughs> um but he, the, that, he looks a little a bit like the um <laughs> Look at the pants. He he looks like he's wearing clothes from. Did everyone see the the fashion line started by the the fail son Coke brother guy? <laughs> he kind of looks like that guy's clothes, and kind of looks like that guy. It might be. Just like when did punk rock aesthetic become just fucking Jack Sparrow, right? But the but that's that's the nature of business, right? It's just like marketing yourself and like trying to be more outrageous than anyone else to get head, headlines in Forbes. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, I hope that because the the whole Silicon Valley wellness wave has swept up people who are like otherwise innocent, right? <laughs> Just like trying to like get ahead, you know. Um, I hope that that is sort of winding down, and we're gonna just move into a place where people are doing obviously like ridiculous shit that is purely spectacle, right? And right. not trying to like sweep well, other people up. I think you're gonna see more HR punks because. The thing about that, hilarious as it is, is that it's so obviously totally toothless and it's just purely cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think uh, Mr. Musk's problem was that he carried over into gen- like being genuinely eccentric and unhinged. We you all know, starting with with of course fucking cave gate and you know a million <laughs> other things that he was like he did a lot in a prove him wrong period of time. <laughs> That's true. We haven't proven him wrong yet. Uh, I don't know how you'd go about proving that. <laughs> Prove that um, you're not a pedophile, Simon. Can't do it. Yeah, that's the, that's the classic. When did you stop beating your wife? Yeah. Gambit. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the clearly there was a lot that was going on that it, it was bigger than just him smoking a blunt on camera or whatever. It was like there's a real pattern of of eccentric and possibly like cokey behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. Th- that was too much, and investors started to flake out, and of course, the FEC um, showed up. But 
Um, I think you're going to see a lot more stuff like HR Punk that is just like, yes, hilarious and um, and fun to read about and make fun of, but like totally uncontroversial and won't make any investors quake in their boots. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just sad, really. HR Punk. <laughs> 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 they, they clearly have no I mean, idea yeah. what punk is. Evanescence is not a punk band or it's not punk music. <laughs> Let us tell us how yeah, you feel if, about if, this, Rosemary. I feel it, like it's strong emotions. It, the, the, the smart thing to do would have been to give, give, like, I don't know, give Damien Abraham a million bucks or whatever, and have have fucked up play their, you know, their event or something. That would have worked. I would have given them some cred. It's just like very out of touch people. Yeah, Metallica Des- just played the Salesforce convention. That's right. Yeah, they're the official band of Salesforce. Salesforce. <laughs> really? That's, That's fucking yeah. sick, dude. Oh man, I, I wonder if their enterprise software works really poorly. Can confirm it does. <laughs> <We're drunk. laughs> um, um, okay, but I mean, and again, we're we're being quite critical here of um, of of various types of like wellness strategies. What do you? Okay, so we have like the perspective of of you know the Elon Musk's of the world uh, are just horrible and everything they do is illustrative of like how they're essentially kind of emblematic of all of the, this bad with capitalism. But how do you individually feel about it? like, A, do you know people who microdose um, or have you? Um, what were they like when they were microdosing? Um, and I guess, B, would you do it if you could? We, I think collectively we reputedly know we, someone, we've known... someone who, who microdoses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and do. I think we our collective response on that has to be no comment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, on um, that particular person, yeah. And then I knew someone who told me that, that he was doing it with weed, I think. Anyways, and he told me, oh, it makes me more open and curious. And um, and hungry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought you're, you're kind of like one of the more least curious people I know. And I haven't noticed any difference, so... <laughs> But I mean, it did, you know, put him on trend. My general feeling is like, I don't think the microdosing matters. I think, Rosemary, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like, I don't think if you're a, a close minded asshole capitalist, like, I don't think that, you know, taking 400 milligrams of LSD a day or whatever is going to change you or like make you a better or more efficient or more effective boss. It's just going to make you going to, it's going to make your experience of going to work more fun for you personally. Probably everyone else isn't going to notice any difference. Yeah, they, you're right. If, or, yeah, or, it, or it'll be a little bit worse because you'll yeah, spend more like, time it, at Disneyland or whatever. <laughs> it's like an interior difference, which I mean, you know, I, I have nothing against people who use those substances for that because it does, I'm sure, help a lot of people get through the day, right? Like, and we are seeing, you know, psychedelic derived substances being used for um like psychotherapy mm-hmm. type purposes yeah, right sure. sure um so i'm on board with that you know my my prescription would be basically the same as david lynch which is like you know in film and filmmaking there's this uh, long long history of the domineering psychotic uh and often abusive director figure who keeps a, a tyrant on set and you know all this other stuff and that's everyone from you know, Hitchcock to Lars von Trier and um, David O. Russell. Lynch's thing mm-hmm. and David O. Russell and a million other and basically all dudes. Um, <laughs> and um, strange. But, but Lynch is the opposite. Um, and Lynch has always said, and he's made a lot of films that have a lot of like really graphic and dark stuff in them. But he's always like, no, I keep a loose set. I make sure everyone's having a good time. 
and um, and I just I don't I, I don't want stress and shit on, on set. Which is not to say he never gets stressed on set because he he does when things don't go his way. Yeah. But his philosophy is the opposite of like the typical Robert Altman. My feeling was was Altman also like yeah. nice? Or? Yeah, no, he also yeah. ran a set like that. It was a big party yeah. yeah nice yeah it's another good example um and if i ever was in a position where i was people's boss which i hope i never am um but i think that uh, and it can go too far with like you know offices where they expect you to live there and expect yeah. you to like they make all aspects of leisure available at work like i do think that a healthy work-life balance is important if we're going to keep living under capitalism which we are for the foreseeable future um, but I think there's no better thing you can do than just be decent to everyone and like, don't try to revolutionize your workplace in a way that just make makes everyone's life hell. Just like give, be generous within the scope and like, don't be an asshole and you'll do fine. And as a person, when you get to the point in your life where you have to drug yourself, take substances in order to like, keep up with all the shit that you're swimming in, like if you have the power to like reevaluate what you're doing. Right? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, if I were, I don't have a problem with, with microdosing or drugs for that matter. Um, anything except really wa raw water um, is probably going to be okay with me as long as I'm not hurting anyone else. But I guess the, the, cons like the thing that I think of is like, I am currently a parent. Um, and so it's taken on a different tone since I've become a parent, because now I wonder it's, it's a safety question. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be comfortable, uh, like, you know, letting people make decisions that impact me or directly like my child, for instance, like if, I wouldn't let someone microdose and watch my child. Right. Um, and so there's right. This... I, I imagine Elon Musk is your kid's fourth grade teacher. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but they're really creative. It's like, great. Until they like accidentally let you on fire because maybe they took way more than a micro day. <laughs> like, at what point are you tripping? Um, that's a question I have. And I've talked to people who microdose frequently and some of them told me that they totally have it under control. Some of them have spreadsheets. Um, I was talking to one person who said that they had to stop because they realized that they weren't microdosing. <laughs> and they're like, at one point I was at work and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm tripping balls. And then they had to spend the rest of the work day tripping balls. Um, and this person in particular, I'm not going to name them, but they have like a pretty serious job that involves a lot of other people beneath them. So I was like, huh, it's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, Rosemary, you have something to say. Um, well, the Toronto police in, in advance of uh, pot legalization in Canada, the Toronto police announced that um, the, the, their policy is that officers cannot partake of marijuana within 28 days of, of being on duty. So that's huh. a pretty interesting guideline. Yeah. Um, I that's, guess that's what it takes to be out of your system? I, yeah, well, I guess so. And all, yeah. this kind of means never, I would think. Unless they... Yeah, unless, if you get, <laughs> unless if they get like eight weeks of vacation a year. Yeah. Which in, you know, John Tory's world. <laughs> we, um, we should... We, we we should be wrapping this up. I do have one last um, one last piece of advice for any CEOs or um, uh, big VCs, venture capitalists, because they're um, listening. <laughs> who might be listening? You never know. Um, in the '60s, uh, it was always rumored that some people died when you know they'd take LSD and they'd go up to the top of some building and they'd think, "I can fly," and they couldn't. I challenge you to test that hypothesis. <laughs> Maybe they just weren't tripping hard enough. <laughs> 
I want to say don't let tech give give drugs a bad name. Uh, I think that uh, yeah, within uh, within reason, reason, within moderation, I guess. Mostly, it's not a bad thing. I think that in general, I want to put in a word for the the positivity of Canada's legalization of pot, um, which is just progressive and and it's a it's a rare sort of uh, bright spot in a very kind of bleak news landscape that uh, they did something that uh, uh, will benefit a lot of people. And and I don't I don't smoke pot, so. <laughs> Just get it on the record, Rosemary. Yeah. She only does edibles. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I know we're running out of time, but a few things I want to say. Um, just on the the legalizing cannabis uh, bit, I think it's great. Yeah, and I think you know one of the interesting things I glanced at the um, some of the the guidance documents that went into um, the legislation and kind of operationalizing um, the legislation that passed federally. Um, and it's it's interesting because most of what they're kind of focusing on, at least on the public um, side of things, uh, has to do with kind of ensuring that people use this responsibly. So to kind of keep it out of the hands of youth, which I think is kind of funny, but also. Um, it's. It, I think it's notable that you know um, it's almost like a very measured approach, which I wouldn't expect from from a state. Um, so on that topic, uh, you know, go listen to Peter Tosh's "Legalize It." Um, <laughs> enjoy yourself within reason, if you can. And other extremely current uh, <laughs> cultural flashpoints. And, and we, do, we do also recommend Evanescence, the punk band. <laughs> yeah, the punk band. If you can find the dub mix of "Bring Me to Life." <laughs> Um, but um, the other thing I want to we're, we're running out of time but there are two things that I, I kind of want to uh, maybe circle back on at some point um, one of them has to do with the impact of kind of this class differential with regards to kind of recreational drugs of all kinds but in particular with um, you know how does that play in or feed into or what are the relationships between kind of essentially uh, highfalutin techno drugs um, technodelics and um, you know the opioid crisis which has uh, gripped m- much of uh, people who are in precarious situations um, in Canada at least um, and also t- feeds into the war on drugs elsewhere um, the other thing I want to point out is as kind of an inverse to all the shit the shit tsunami of, uh, of technodelics um, one aspect of biohacking that I think is really cool, and I want to plug it really quickly, um, is this uh, group of what they're called cyborg witches. Um, oh, wow. Of Great. Of do-it-yourself gynecology called gynapunk. Um, and I have to uh, identify like, a friend of mine who I met a few years back uh, was working with them. Her name is uh, Laura uh, Benitez Valero, and she's, a, I think, a professor somewhere in, in, in Spain. I don't know where. Um, but they're essentially a Catalan collective um, who are like trying to decolonize the female body and, and, and have used kind of various types of kind of biohacking um, to do that, uh, including something called dildomancy, which is amazing. <laughs> And they wanted to kind of make sure that they wanted to, they, they were essentially kind of creating uh, like uh, educational and essentially more sex positive and degenitalizing um, sex toys. So, you know, I think that's pretty cool. To be clear, that's not haunting dildos. Yeah, what is, <laughs> what is dildo mancy? I'd, I'd like to know. Um, it's like they want to make organically shaped sex toys that are more educational, I guess. Um, and part of that has to do with degenitalizing sexuality with something called an eco-sexual movement. Hmm. Um, so I guess there's a very strong post-pornography movement in Spain. 
um, mm-hmm. that promotes a different vision of sexuality and mainstream por- pornography that's, I guess, more sex positive. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't focus specifically on genital sexual relationships. So, um, and this is kind of by, uh, again, this kind of group, um, this collective of anarcho-feminists and what they call themselves trans-hack feminists. So, you know, gynapunk, dildomancy, cyborg witches. Wow, anarchists doing something useful. That'd be cool. Wow. <laughs> Um, I'm just taking shots, needless shots. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, obviously, I think this is a, a huge step forward for you know criminal justice reform in Canada, um, drug policy, blah blah blah, all the normal reasons. I, I think personally, it's great to open up um, more avenues of recreation to people. You know, as long as it's done in a responsible way. Um, so that's the weed stuff, and I just want to. Um, read something to close off the microdosing discussion as well. Um, this is from um, r slash nofap. On Reddit. Uh, on Reddit. <laughs> you don't know, that's a red can you Can you explain what nofap means? Uh, okay, really quickly. Um, nofap is uh, denying yourself masturbation in order to uh, not be controlled by it. Basically, by your Look, urges. This is this is a PG podcast. You could have called it onanism. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I just learned something new. What's uh, PG to masturbate? Right. No, no, it right. is PG yeah, to yeah, masturbate, yeah. Simon. Exactly. Depending on when you unbelievable that you would be sex negative like that. That's right. That means you you can masturbate as long as you have parental guidance. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. Um, okay, so uh, I'm just gonna quickly read this post uh the subject is microdosing plus no fap equals question mark um and this is the whole post it says i'm four days into my first try at this and so far i'm feeling great i'm microdosing with fungi mushrooms and it's helping with some of my withdrawal symptoms presumably withdrawing from masturbation what i'm mostly interested in is the possibility of neurogenesis while enforcing this different behavior pattern it can't hurt anything either way i'm motivated Porn has taken away at least five years of my life, and I'm ready to move forward. Wait, what? Don't ask questions about the post. I think it's a really inspiring thing <laughs> that this dude is, he's trying to find some way out of whatever psychological problems that he has. five years watching porn? Presumably five years straight. Anyway, this, um, this post was made in 2017, and there's, I checked his user profile, and he, um, almost immediately relapsed. So it didn't work for him, (laughs) (laughs) but it may work for others. And I think that we should look at microdosing as a way to help people solve their problems. Ah, I see. Okay. That's, that's the connection. That's where I was getting to. Okay. 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 Okay, Well, I'm going to humbly suggest that if you've watched five years of porn in your life, you may have problems that go beyond the scope that drugs can help. You know what? I'm just going to say, as long as you're doing it in a sex positive manner, that you're not hurting yourself or others, you know, fap on. <laughs> fap on. <laughs> all right. That's also, as good a note. To... I just want to plug one more time the new hashtag for all transhumanist technodelics out there. Uh, you know, I think, therefore I hack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's going to catch on great, Merle. All right. So if you want. <laughs> If you, if you have listened to this and thought these people seem smart and have their shit together, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Hollow Minds. Morale is at Snootlet. Rob is at RG Scherf with a C. 
uh, and Rosemary is at Rose M. Heather. And uh, do, you know, share the show, like, fave, rate, review, do all that shit. We don't charge you for any of this shit, so, like, if you want to take a second and show us some love, we'd appreciate it. It helps people find us, etc. And I think that's about it. Yeah, Anything we, else before we go? We appreciate your, your support. Yeah. Uh, write to us at admin at hacks.fm. We love reading the mail we've received so far, and we want to share it in a mailbag episode. Have we in received the any mail? Have we received any mail? We may after this episode. There's always a first time, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, please share us your microdosing stories, or even better, dose and then mail us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And or send us stuff. <laughs> we should shut up. We should get, shut up a PO box or something. Then so we'll just get Canadian glassware. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right thank you for listening everyone thanks everyone bye. thank you bye thank you bye give me that old-fashioned morphine give me that old-fashioned morphine give me that old-fashioned morphine that's good enough for me Well, it was good enough for my grandpa It was good enough for my grandpa That was good enough for my grandpa That's good enough for me So I